So this week we, uh, our, our theme is Unexpected Encounters with Jesus, and over the last couple weeks you've heard from my wife Sharon, you've heard from Pastor Jordan as well, and today you're going to hear from our special guest, um, Joanne Goodwin. Uh, we've had Joanne here a couple of times, we've had her virtually, but we've also had her in person uh, doing talks regarding mental health, regarding her own story, and something that the church needs to address all the time, instead of putting it under the blankets. So it was with great pleasure that uh, I was able to connect with Joanne again and invited her to come out to, to come and to share and to speak with us. And in that process, I sat down with our leadership of uh, Soul Sisterhood and I said, I need you guys to host a mental health seminar. And I just want to say that they knocked it out of the park yesterday. And I want to give kudos to Crystal Lee, Ripiak, Sydney Bergen, Elson Rempel, Becky Weens, and Jen Weens for just going over and above uh, serving our community. And again, from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you, thank you, and thank you. So, unfortunately, Joanne comes to us from Hamilton, Ontario. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, is uh, she she heralds as as one of the greatest cities around, but uh, uh, we'll pray for her and maybe you'll experience some sort of deliverance. Uh, but yeah, no, she comes from Hamilton. Um, I've been able to hear some of her story and some. Uh, she's been able to to let me inside of something that I never even knew. Those are details that I got to keep in conversation with her and me. But it's just always fabulous when you find out stuff about people that you'd never know and that you would never ever believe that they would ever do stuff. So, uh, Joanne, thank you for being transparent. Uh, thank you for entrusting me with your secrets. And uh, maybe one day on Facebook I'll put it out there. But uh, Joanne is here, um, a story of mental health throughout her life. And uh, I'm thrilled once again uh, to bring her to Winnipeg, to let her share. She has her master's of theology, and uh, she uh, integrates both practical and spiritual, and I hope that you are challenged today. I hope that you are blessed today, and if you are struggling today, I hope that you find healing. Joanne, come on up, and let's give her a good welcome on the stage here. He's a good man because he has a church that has a coffee break. Here's to you. You got your coffee with you? That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, you know, I know that you know if you have become a Christian, you have never had any problems in your home. Isn't, isn't that right? Oh, I haven't got that right. I know at least in my home we're very, very spiritual. And in the morning, and especially on a Sunday morning, I arise early and put the coffee on and then awaken my husband to rise, beloved. And he arises and calls me blessed. And then I go to the room of the children, little ones, another day in which to serve the Lord. And they go, oh, thank you, mommy. And we all come to the breakfast table just singing the praises of Jesus and so happy. Isn't that just what it's like in your home? Yeah, right. I know some of the things that go on, some of the stupid things we say when we have little children, especially. 
if you fall and break your leg, don't you come running to me. Or will you be, no, or we, we get mad and we start yelling and they say, can you hear me? No, Ma, could you raise it a few decibels? I missed some of that. We are people who love Jesus, but we are so human too. And stuff gets mixed up and life gets hard and stuff gets crazy. And, you know, one of the verses I learned as a little girl after you learn John 3.16, we usually learn Romans 8.28. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Isn't that a beautiful little verse? And then you get older and life happens and you've got to take a look at that again. All things work together for good. It's a little bit hard to swallow. It would have been easier, I think, if it said some things work together for good because I could see that. But all things... Well, you know, I went back to seminary when I was in my 40s, and I watched those smart people. And they look up some of these words in the original language, and you get a whole different understanding and a different nuance, a different flavor that you didn't see before. And in the context of Romans 8, when it says all things, do you know what all means? All. $30,000 in education. All, it says all, it means all. All things. All things. Everything. There is not a single thing that can happen to you, but it can't be worked together for your good. Oh, I'm going to fall on this. He put this up to hear me, to, to help me, but I think he just wanted to see me go down. <laughs> it's quite a sight. I've done it before. On platforms, and the earth moved. Anyway, what was I saying? All things, yeah. So there's not a thing that can happen to you that can't be worked together for your good. Now, you know, notice it doesn't say all things are good. All things are not good. Just the little snippets that the pastor has told me about what he's just seen and heard in, in Ukraine. No, that's not good. That's not God's will. That's not good. But it doesn't say all things are good. It says all things can be worked together for your good. But see, then you've got to ask yourself what good means. Uh, I heard this speaker. Have you ever heard Mark Rutland? He's an amazing speaker. Brilliant man. He can speak, I think it's like nine languages, and he can preach in five of them. He's really super smart. But I heard him say once, you have to learn how to speak God. What do you mean? Like, I, I speak English. That's my language that I'm comfortable with, and I know, understand all the uh, innuendos and nuances. That's my language. French, je peux parler juste un peu. Est-ce qu'il y a des francophones ici? Yeah, I don't speak very well, but you know. But you understood me, so. And Italian? Any Italians here? Good, that was perfect Italian. But I don't speak Italian. I learned a few little crazy phrases, but I don't speak it, but I, I speak English. And so what does he mean by speak God? Well, you see, sometimes when God says something, we hear one thing and he means something completely different. In other words, when he say, said if Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that they would die, they didn't die, but they died. You understand? No, you don't. 
And, and um, when Jesus said he was coming up to set, a, set up a kingdom, they thought, okay, yes, he's going to tear down the Roman government and set up a kingdom. He didn't set up a kingdom, but he set up a kingdom. Just not what they were expecting. Not what they thought it meant. And when it says from Paul that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us that we will receive power, we think power, yes, give me power. He doesn't mean power. He means power. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Well, I am mentally ill, so that calls for a drink, doesn't it? And in Romans 8, through Paul, when he says all things work together for good, he doesn't mean good. Like when you think good, if somebody says something's going to be good, what do you think? Pleasant, nice, fun, chocolate could be involved. And yet, I don't believe that's what's being said here, because I think we get a clue to that in the next verse. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The next, for, for those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I am suggesting that good is anything that will push you a little closer to looking like Jesus. That's his will for you. His, not, his will for you is not, I just want to make you just really happy. And I just want your life to go smoothly. No, he wants to make you like Jesus. And that's huge. And often, sometimes through good times, unfortunately, many times through suffering, we are pushed a little closer to looking like Jesus. And, you know, there, there was a, there's a story back at the turn of the century uh, in a place in the States called Enterprise, Alabama. And apparently back at the turn of the century, they thrived, this town thrived on cotton. All their, their work, all the industry, everything in the town thrived around cotton and they were prosperous. But then the little bull weevil worked its way up to Alabama and destroyed their crops. They had an unprecedented plague of these things. And businesses went under, the town went into an economic slump. People just couldn't make things work. It was a bad time for enterprise. But when you're in a crisis, you're forced to diversify, you know. And they found out they were really good at growing peanuts. And you know what? They became more prosperous on the peanut industry than they'd ever been on cotton. And then I read, if you go to that town now, there's a monument in the middle of town to the bull weevil. I'm serious. And I didn't believe it. I Googled it. It's there. And once I was giving this story at a church, and a man came up to me, and he said, I'm from Enterprise, Alabama. He said, not only is that there, we have a bull weevil day, bull weevil day every year. And little kids in school get little wooden ones to paint, and they color them. And we all talk about the fact that the bull weevil wiped us out, but showed us our greatest potential. Isn't that a great analogy? My message to you this morning is that you become monument builders. To the very things that feel like they're going to destroy you. Offer them to God and say, God, in the midst of this horror, how can this be used in my life to make me more like Jesus? So I would build a monument for you right over here, a big monument in my life. It's not a beauty, just a shining, lovely thing. This is a monument to mental illness. 
I would rather not have to take medication for the rest of my life. I would rather be normal, whatever that is. But I built a monument. You see, growing up in, in my church in, in Hamilton, Ontario, which is a, <clears throat> a lovely, lovely city, I'm surprised that such an intelligent man is so misinformed. <laughs> but perhaps he's not quite right either. I don't know. <laughs> and growing up in my very charismatic Pentecostal church, we weren't quiet like you guys. We were pretty loud. And, you know, our preachers would come out, you know, so is everybody happy tonight? And I think, no, I'm suicidal. But you don't say that because that's not spiritual. And then we would think, you know, happy, 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 happy are the people who's got it, the Lord. And we'd sing, uh, if you want joy. No, we'd sing, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, that's scripture. It's true. I didn't get it, but it's true. But then somebody added a really stupid verse. I, I don't think it was your pastor. I Perhaps, Sharon, I don't know. But somebody wrote a stupid verse. If you want joy, you can jump for it. Oh, stop it. And you know, in the church I was from, they didn't just want you to sing it. They wanted you to jump. Well, I was obese and suicidal. I didn't want to jump for joy. But you know, those are, it, it, we had an excellent theology in, in Pentecost of victory. And my grandfather, one of the first Pentecostals in, in um, Canada, was just, his life was radically changed by Christ. And so was his wife's. They came out of dysfunctional, horrible homes and, and met Jesus and formed a marriage and had children that love the Lord and grandchildren that love the Lord. And he just knows, he has seen tremendous victory take place in people's lives. And he's just been fabulous. And... Um, but we didn't get much of a theology of suffering. Because when it came to pain, we just wanted to say, well, just, just trust Jesus. Just trust Jesus and it'll go away. How many know that you can trust Jesus with all your heart and your troubles don't always go away? I mean, sometimes people are healed. But many, many times... People are not healed. So, it's, it's um, I forget where I was going with that. You don't remember either. Yeah, it's hard to see inside this mind, isn't it? It's well medicated, though. Anyways, I, I couldn't understand why I would feel this way. Most of my life, as a teenager especially, I wanted to die. I prayed to die. I planned suicide many times. But the funny thing is, I didn't look depressed. In fact, most people thought the opposite. They said, oh, you're always so happy. You're always doing so great, you know. Because laughing and, and humor was one of the things that helped me to cope. Depression looks different on different people. Some look sad and depressed. Some are angry. Some just look angry. And some make a lot of jokes and a lot of humor. You think you recognize it, but, but you often don't. 
It's often very hard to see. But, you know, I finally, I went through my teenage years like this. I do have CDs on uh, my whole story on depression. And if you need one or you know somebody that needs one and you can't afford it, please take one. And I want you to get this message out to friends who are suffering with this. It's also a great evangelism tool. Uh, often people have used it. They've told me to say, well, look, you're struggling with this. Here's this funny lady, but she talks about this. And people have used that to... Uh, to evangelize people. Anyway, um, yeah, so what, what have I learned from this journey is I, I went through so much in trying to figure out why God didn't make it go away. I would have times when I felt very, very good. That's called mood swings. And when I was good, I was really good, and I'd lead our young people into evangelizing, and then I'd fall and I'd get drunk. I just let that sit with you for a minute. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was a mess. I was a mess. And I was trying to make myself feel better and I was a mess. Anyway, in one of my high times, I went to Bible college and married this wonderful, calm man whose life has never been the same. I like to think it's the best thing that ever happened to him. Brought in a little variety to his life. Um, and anyway, and then he became a pastor and I became a mentally ill pastor's wife. Aren't most pastor's wives mentally ill, Sharon? No. No, she's a therapist. <laughs> Anyways, I say that as a joke because I loved being a pastor's wife. And then I became a pastor myself and... Uh, you know, I, I, I love being in the ministry. But um, I would go through, I went through Bible college, then got married, and we had three children in three years. We'll just put that down to mental illness. <laughs> and uh, ministry was odd. Like, when I was good, I, I could do everything. I could do the preaching. I could do the, the kids' Programs. I wrote a curriculum for the young adults. I would go, 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 go. Hi. I remember you. Are we going out for lunch? Huh? Oh, good. Okay, we'll talk. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm mentally ill. Sometimes thoughts come in and they just come out my mouth. You say, don't use that as an excuse. Why not? It's got me out of so many things. <laughs> Anyway, it was very difficult, but my, the need, the, the desire to die was always huge within me. And then I felt so guilty because I know I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to love life. And I'm, it just was a constant battle in my head. And one day, just before I turned 40, somebody said to me that, um, they said, Joanne, I, th I think maybe you're bipolar. And I was so angry. Because I thought, here I am feeling so down, and you're calling me mentally ill. How dare you? But it got me thinking. And I started to look at myself and look at my life, and I thought, maybe I am nuts. Before, I thought it was just weird. I'm a weird person. I was the, the fat, weird one in the middle of seven kids. I was always different from the rest. I cried more. I was more emotional. I laughed more, and I cried more, and I was weird.
but it never occurred to me to go to a doctor and say, have you got anything for weirdness? And so I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I'm nuts. So I went to see a psychiatrist. And I didn't tell anybody, not even my husband. I was mortified. So I went to see this psychiatrist. We started talking. And after about seven, seven or eight sessions, I can't remember, I asked him a question. And he said, well, Joanne, it's like that with people with major mood disorders. I said, excuse me, just stop right there. You said mood disorder. I have a mood disorder? And, and I think you said major. <laughs> So I'm crazy. He said, no, you have a physiologically based biochemical imbalance, and it requires medication. And I said, I can't take medication. I'm German. <laughs> and we are strong like bulls. And in my family, we didn't take nothing for nothing. Just wait, it will go. My father was from German Mennonite family from, from Russia. Are there any Pauls here, P-A-U-L-S? Oh, we're probably related. Hi, cousin. Anyway, and uh, we were strong, you know. They're kind of gruff people, and my, my uh, father and his brothers, and you know, kind of, we laughed at people who took an aspirin when they had a headache. Pfft. Just wait, it will go. Wait, a little pill for this and a pill for that, baha. So I thought, they're never going to accept that I have to take pills for Lala. And plus, in my church, I didn't think it would go over in the church, because why should we be depressed when we have Jesus? Happy, 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 happy are the people as God is. You know, I thought, they'll crucify me. And I didn't know how to explain it all to this man, and I said, I'm sorry. I said, ha. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it to you. There's absolutely no way I'm going to take medication. I'm just not. I'm just, I'm just not. You're going to have to talk about my potty training or something, but I am not taking medication for this. This is crazy. He said, one of the side effects is you could lose weight. And I said, I'll try it. <laughs> and that was honestly the reason I tried it. It really was, because I thought, I'm not going to take a pill and all the troubles in the world go away. That's just stupid. But if I can take it and you know, for the side effects. So I started taking it. I never lost a pound. But I started to feel better. You know, it's funny. Sometimes people say, oh, they're, they're happy pills. Well, no, they're not. They didn't make me happy. All they did was relieve that black heaviness and allow me to be myself. I could now choose how to react to things. I wasn't weighed down with this unbearable darkness. And so, you know, after a couple of months, I thought, well, it's just, you know, I'm just having a, a good time. And just because I felt so normal, I thought it's not the pills. But then it went on three months, four months, five months, six months. I didn't even remember going six months without any darkness. And I remember I said to my husband, and, and many people say this, I said, does, does everybody feel like this? I wasn't giddy or happy. I felt ordinary. It was a really good feeling. 
but I still didn't want to tell anybody. And plus, we were paying for it at the time, and we didn't have a health plan, and it was fairly expensive. And I said to my husband once, who's calm and steady, he just, you never see him really happy or really sad. He's just steady Joe. And so I told him once at the end of the six or seven months, I said, you know what? I think I'm fine now. I, I don't think I need this. I, I think I'm just going to stop it. And he said, well, we'll sell one of the children if we have to. <laughs> He liked the meds. So um, anyways, things went on. And some of, I would say from this monument, some of the things I learned were that Jesus is bigger and his truth is bigger than anything I feel. I was once in a very serious depression. I was getting to the point where I couldn't talk, but I was still functioning. And I was on my way driving on the highway to speak at a retreat in Montreal, women's retreat. And I was driving down the road, and I was crying. I'm thinking, I can't do this, God. I, 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 can't, I can't do this. What am I going to do? And around Kingston, Ontario, there are big walls of rock on the side of the highway, and I thought, I'll just drive into that. People will think I just lost control of my car. That I'll drive into it. And I actually revved up the engine. I didn't have the nerve. So I went to the retreat. Do you know what the topic was of the retreat? How to be happy in an unhappy world. Isn't that beautiful? And as I'm sitting there in the front row, and the woman is about to introduce me, I'm thinking, God, please, please, just make me die. I can't do it. Make me die. And she said, oh, you're going to love our speaker. She's just so funny and so laid back. She's just a riot. You'll love her. And I'm just about weeping inside. I thought, any minute now, I'm just going to faint and scream or something because I can't do this. And she said, now, just before we introduce our speaker, um, let's have a few testimonies. Well, this church was about, um, this ladies' retreat was about probably three quarters from the islands of the sea. Jamaica. Trinidad. Anybody here from the Caribbean? Jamaican? Trini, oh, they got the best food. Any Jamaicans here? Yeah? Jerk chicken, dumplings, fabulous. Anyway, they were more expressive in their worship than most of the churches I'd been to. And they said, give us a word. And this big Jamaican lady got up at the back. She looked around. She never said a word. She just started He's never failed me yet. He's never failed me yet. Jesus' love has never failed me yet. This one thing I know, that wherever I go, Jesus' love has never failed me and the Holy Spirit ascended, descended on me. I didn't say anything. I didn't look different. But I felt the power of the Holy Spirit come upon me. And what he did was what the Holy Spirit does so well. He gives you the ability to speak. And I was able to speak. 
I felt the presence of God around me. We had a fabulous weekend. People were healed of shame and all kinds of things, and it was wonderful. And I remember thinking, God, why one of the best retreats when I was feeling at my very worst? And then I remembered the scripture. If you want to see God's strength in all its power, you really want to see God's strength. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. He showed me that. So I learned so many things through all of this. God showed me, especially a few times, that I was precious to him. And I even wonder if I would have had such a deep experience of his love if I hadn't been ill. It's like God gave me, poured something else out on me to show me that I was loved and that it was precious to him. So I build a monument. I'm not saying I'm glad this happened. See, this is where the analogy breaks down. They were glad the bull weevils came because of what it shot them. I'm not glad this happened. But I can say Build a monument because, because of this, I can say what I have learned about the love of Jesus, how it has helped me to become more Christ-like, more humble. So monument. And then I build another monument for you over here. I can't give you too much details on this one, but this is a monument to raising a troubled child. I don't give all these details anymore, but... Um, she was a drug addict for about 25 years. And uh, honestly, if we sat and told you the stories, you wouldn't believe half of them. But might I just add that as of the last five or six years, she is a nurse working with drug addicts and talking to people about Jesus. Yeah. In fact... If I had said it more like an old-fashioned Pentecostal preacher, you might have given me the old-fashioned Pentecostal amen. So let's try it once more. So in all of her trouble, the Lord brought us through, and she is now serving Jesus. Yes, yeah, okay. it's all in the voice. Try it, Pastor. It's all in the voice. So, but you know, from this one, if from this one I learned God is bigger than anything I feel, from this one I learned about the power of prayer. I mean, we're talking 25 years before we saw real results. But in the middle of it all, I saw so many glimpses of Jesus, so many encounters with Jesus in the middle of this nightmare, in the middle of this pain. Encounters with Jesus that were special, that were magnificent, and I realized the power of prayer. One time I was uh, speaking in a Jamaican church, and uh, I was raised in Pentecost in the 50s. I've seen lively services, so I thought I know exactly what to expect, but I had not seen Pentecost in Jamaica. It was a different story. I got up to speak, and if they liked what I said, they'd stand up and point to me. I thought, what? <laughs> or they just, and one lady in the front, she looked like she was angry, but I don't think she was angry. And she kept stomping back and forth and saying, amen, hallelujah, hallelujah. I thought, okay, okay. There was another lady on this side, and she had a hanky, and she kept waving it and going, sweet Jesus, Jesus, you're sweet. Mm, Jesus, you're sweet. 
And so they're, they're talking to me and, and going back and forth. And I thought, well, this is fun. I was having a good time. And then I was talking about gratitude and how we need to learn gratitude even in the midst of difficult experiences. God might not take them away, but it'll help us through. And so sometimes when I'm speaking, I just start to sing. I think I just did that, right? So I started, um, I said, so I thank him for the mountains. And I also thank him for the valleys. And I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. Because if I never had a problem, how would I know that God could solve them, right? How would I know what faith in God could do? And, you know, you expect pe most people react like you did, and they just listen politely. Not in Jamaica. Oh, no. I said, you know, I thank him for the mountains. I hadn't noticed the guy had never left the keyboard, and behind me I heard, I've never had my preaching accompanied. I thought, well, that was just a little thing. And I thank him for the valleys. Yeah. And I looked at the guy, and he was just grinning, make, ready to make that thing dance. And I thought, okay, I can do this. And I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. And they're, amen, hallelujah, sweet Jesus. Mm -hmm, yeah, well, the place just came alive. And then I said, because if I never had a problem, and a man stood right up and said, then how would you know? How would I know that God could solve them? How would I know what faith in God could do? Oh, it was fabulous. You've got to speak in Jamaica. It was just wonderful. But then after me, it was a, a special weekend with an emphasis on women's ministry. So after me, got up another speaker, Sister Jennifer Duvaux. Now, Sister Duvaux was from Jamaica as well. And I, I think I'm a fairly animated speaker. Besides Sister Duvaux, puppy dog. She didn't just preach loud, she screamed. She screamed. And she was walking back and forth and saying, you know, sometimes I call my name into the atmosphere. And the angels of God carry it up to the throne. I thought, okay. I, I don't know chapter and verse. I, it's a subtle reference, but okay. She was just, you know, give her artistic license. She was painting a picture. And I had been talking about my daughter, Ginger, and Sister Den DeVoe said, sometimes I call Sister Jennifer DeVoe. She even calls herself Sister to the Lord. You know. and, uh, and the angels carry my name to the throne. And then she turned around and she said, we need to call the name of Ginger into the atmosphere. And hundreds of people simultaneously began to shout, Ginger, come home, Ginger. I, I thought I was going to collapse. I've never heard anything so, so powerful. And the ladies behind me were saying, come home, Ginger. And I was just overwhelmed. And when I got home, I'm thinking, okay, why was that so overwhelming for me? 
Well, number one, just the affirmation. Just the emotional affirmation of all those people joining with me and calling on God on behalf of my daughter. And then spiritually speaking, God commands a, a, an anointing on unity, a blessing on unity. So those two things combined made that very powerful. But it was about a year after that that there was a magnificent change in my daughter's life. Was it related to that? It was certainly part of it. Don't give up on praying for your kids. It started when it was 12 for her and ended when she was 35. It wasn't instantaneous. It was painful. But this monument has taught me so much about prayer and about perseverance. And I, you know, brick upon brick, I was building the monument so that I can say, God, in the middle of all of this, use it to make me more like you. And then I would have a third monument here that for many reasons I can't give you the details of, but I would call this a monument to severe hurt or abuse. Everybody's been hurt, some more than others. And from this one, I learned the power of forgiveness. You know, I was struggling with something for years and feelings that kept coming back and da, da, da. And I thought, what do I do about this, God? I need to make sure I, I've really forgiven. I, I really need to forgive. So I started to look at scripture to see what helpful hints it gave you about forgiveness. And it doesn't. It just says forgive. Yeah, a little more detail would have been helpful, but. So, okay. So I got down and prayed. And I said with my, the greatest sincerity, dear Jesus, I forgive that person. I forgive them. And then I got up and thought, there, it's gone. Right, counselor? It ain't gone. You don't Anyway, so it would come back again. I thought, what, what, what? What did I do wrong? Did, was it not sincere? Did I not pray right? Did I not say in the name of Jesus? What, what? And um, so I said, well, maybe it's because I'm taking it back. I've heard preachers say that. Maybe it was I was taking it back and allowing myself to think on it. I said, so that's what I would have. The Bible says, forgetting that which is past, I press on towards. I thought, okay, I'll just forget it. I will pretend it never happened. And every time it comes to mind, I'll just say, ooh, how about them Blue Jays? Just change the subject. Just change the thought. And, you know, I'm a pretty strong personality, and I did that. Yeah, so you know what happened? I started dreaming it. I woke up in the middle of the night once, sat right up in bed, and I was crying, and I was saying, but I was just a little girl. So I thought, okay. I can't pretend it's not there. I can't. I said I forgave, and it didn't go away. What am I supposed to do? So I started thinking, you know, some, sometimes when we say forgive, we think it means pretend it never happened. Well, that's not forgiveness. How can you forgive something that didn't happen? You have to acknowledge 
what happened. And then other times I think, well, you know, maybe they meant no harm. Well, maybe they did. Or you can say, well, you know, uh, other people have it worse than I do. So? Like, that can help sometimes to give perspective, but that doesn't make your pain go. And then some say, well, if I forgive, it'll mean reconciliation, and that's impossible. Forgiveness does not always mean reconciliation. Wherever possible, that's a great thing. But if it cannot be had for many different reasons, you can still let it go in your heart. And so I decided what I will do. I thought, every time that comes back to mind, I'm going to allow myself to grieve. I'm going to look at things. If I have to cry, I have to cry. And I'm just going to, you know, that was not fair. That was not right. And that's what I forgive in the name of Jesus. Call it what it is. Allow yourself to grieve. Then give it over to God. So what I started to doing was every time it came back, I did that again. I was in my 20s at that point, and, and uh, now I'm older. Called for a drink. And then I found over the years, it came back less and less and less. And then I looked at it in my 50s, and I realized, oh my goodness, I can recall every single thing that I was upset about. I recall it all, but I can't recall the pain anymore. I, I think that's called healing. So you deal with it. You look at it yourself. You allow yourself to grieve. Then you give it to Jesus. Again and again and again and again and again. And pray for healing. And I believe I was healed of that. And so, monument. Glad it happened? No, 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 no. But recognize that it happened and see what God will do with your pain when you give it to him. Uh, you see, even that should have been an amen. You guys are just so not getting it. <laughs> I'm joking. But we'll try it again. You see, whatever pain there is in your life, whatever difficulties, whatever hardships, forgive it and give it to Jesus and he will heal you. Hey. Oh, you got to do that more often, Pastor. Just get up here and start shouting and... Uh, They'll just be so responsive. <laughs> anyway, I think that it's amazing what God leads us through. For reasons we don't understand, he doesn't make things go away all the time. For reasons we don't understand, people are suffering in Ukraine. Horrific things. But I do know 
and I, I bet your pastor will tell you some of these, that testimonies come out of that about the goodness of God and the miracles of God. Right, Pastor? Because in the midst of our struggle, you can encounter Jesus. In the midst of your difficulties, you can encounter Jesus. You can encounter the Lord when you seek him and when you give yourself to him. Now, sometimes you're not going to feel anything, and, and it's not about feelings, but sometimes you'll just sense the presence of the Lord bringing healing and, 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 uh, and wholeness to you. He's a good God. All my life you have been faithful. You know that one? All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Now think about that in the midst of what you're going through. Do you have the courage to sing it again? It's, all my life you have been faithful. Sing it to him. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness. God, oh, I sense the Holy Spirit. Just sing it one more time. All my life you have been faithful. Thank you, Jesus. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh. You know, we're going to get together one day on the other side and tell our stories. Oh, this is old. This is old. But by and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, we will tell the stories of how we've overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. Yeah. So, you know, if I don't see you again on this side, will, will you look me up on the other side? Show me your monuments. I'll show you mine. And we'll do coffee. was awesome. Why don't you stand with me? Steph, why don't you get your team up here? Uh, on my right and on my left, I'm going to invite our prayer team to move and to be ready. If you are here today and uh, your spirit was touched and you just want some support, we want to be able to just do that and to join with you and to pray alongside of you. Whatever it may be, whatever monument is left uh, standing around you, we want to acknowledge it and walk with you on that. Secondly, we have uh, at the back in the atrium, Joanne's going to be out there. I'd highly encourage you if you decide to take her CDs, bless her, please. Just bless her. If she blessed you, bless her. 
as well. And so, Father, we just commit ourselves to you this Sunday. Again, we all bring in different uh, pain and circumstance through this door. We come looking for encouragement. We come looking for hope. We come looking for healing. Sometimes we just come in and just feel broken and in pieces. My prayer today, God, is that you would just reach down into the depths of our spirits. That you would begin to help us to forgive. That you would begin to stitch us back together and to make us whole. If there are areas of where we need to practice forgiveness, may we do so. Or if there are areas in which we need to just change to be more like you, may we do that as well. And we stand before you recognizing that you are God Almighty. And you still love us in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our weakness. And we just lay ourselves before you and ask you to move in our lives. Pray a blessing upon Joanne. Bless her in her ministry, in her family. And may she continue to be that little spark that you put into people's lives to address issues that are tough and difficult, but also use her to continue to be a healing agent of the Holy Spirit in the lives of many others. So we just commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. In ancient times, and again, our prayer team is there, so if you want to go afterwards for prayer, please do that. But in ancient times, the one who blessed extended his hands for blessing. Those receiving the blessing did likewise. Here it is. Brothers and sisters, never doubt the love of God. For long before you were aware of it, God knew you. He had already chosen you to be a part of his family, a child of God. And having chosen you, he has called you. Having called you, he has made you right with God. And having made you right with God, he gave you his glory. So don't doubt the love of God, for it is God who is with us. And we have nothing to fear. And may he push you this week to look a little bit more like Jesus. Amen and amen. Be blessed. And we'll see you next week. And if you're able-bodied to help us stack chairs, we'd appreciate it.